Welcome back to Out of the Question. This week's guest is MasterChef judge Andy Allen. Andy was an elite basketballer and full-time electrician before becoming a MasterChef contestant and then winner in season four. After that, he became a trainee chef at Three Blue Ducks restaurants, head chef at their Rosebury establishment, and then a co-owner in the group. In 2019, he returned to MasterChef as a judge, and that's where he is today while also working every spare moment he can get at the Three Blue Ducks restaurants. He'll talk about that here. I started our conversation by asking Andy how his fellow workers would describe him. I would hope that they would say fun. I um, I really try and bring that to any workplace that I work in, especially in the hospitality industry. I mean, being a chef's hard. And I think that, like, it has a, such a – it's got a reasonably bad rep, especially over the over the past years, like we're talking decades ago, of being pretty difficult. Um, and I came in – like, I've only been in the industry for about eight years I've been in kitchens now. Um, but I suppose to me, becoming a business owner, you just want to get the best out of your staff. Um, and especially when I'm in the kitchen, everyone's so much more engaged, everyone's so much more involved, everyone's so much more invested if they're having a good time. So whenever I'm in the kitchen or whenever I'm, whenever I'm at MasterChef, I really try and bring a good energy and, and, and a bit of fun to it. Um, and, and that can vary for, you know, a lot, a lot of different scenarios. So, so how do you kind of get yourself in the mood? Like if you're, you've had a bad day or something and then you're walking into your place of work, um, how do you actually bring yourself up? Mate, I've, I've been, I don't know if it's just a personal thing and a personal trait that I have, but I, I really do, do try and flick the switch. And I don't think I'd be able to like pinpoint what that is, but I suppose as me being a leader, you know, whether that be in the MasterChef kitchen or, or, or going into the kitchen at the Ducks, you just got to be like that, um, mm. you know, because people do, if, if you walk in there with your head, head around your tail, like people are going to vibe off that. And, and so yeah. there's, I've always been someone who's really tried to bring the energy. And I think it kind of, um, it kind of started when I, I used to play a lot of basketball growing up. Um, you know, we trained two, two nights a week then we play on the weekends and you just got it. It starts from there. Like you walk in and whether you've had, you know, back then it was either school or uni or work, you have a shit day at either, either one of those places and you walk into to a place where you're meant to be a leader and that's yeah. the vibe. So it's like, I think I learned at a young age that, you know, I can really make a difference just on that one thing, which is a bit of energy. And I think it goes a long way. And your dad was a, a, a cricket coach, wasn't he? So you kind of, you, you had that, um, you had that kind of sporting mentality all the way through. Yeah, I um, I love sport. And I think when you get to a reasonable level in either cricket, basketball or whatever, you get disciplined and you get, you get kind of coached in how to get the best out of yourself and then get the best out of other people. And I really took to that from a pretty young age. And um, I think that has been like a bit of a, um, probably a, a pretty natural progression in, you know, why I was able to go reasonably well in MasterChef mm. and why, why I've been able to make a, a, a bit of a go in the restaurant industry because it is just like a big sporting game. Every time you step into the kitchen, you know, it's you're, you're training when it's prep and then when it's game time, it's service and you got to just switch and, and get on it. Yeah, the way I describe your MasterChef journey was that you're like a happy warrior, you know. Yeah, I, I was just, I think for me, I was just A, super surprised that I, I was on the show. And then when I, when I realised I was on the show, I had a very sudden realisation of, of how bad I was. Um, and I think that 
without taking the piss, that was the best thing for me because I just knew that I had to knuckle down. Um, I somewhat had to wing my way through experiences that, that, you know, I suppose everyone was doing the same thing, but I, you had to wing your way through experiences that you, um, you weren't so great at. Um, but the show is such a gift that it goes for such a long time. It goes for six months. So yeah. it's not like you're in there and it's a, it's a three-week progress and, you know, the best, the best cook walking into the kitchen is the best cook on the way out. It's just like a total learning opportunity. So every day you walk in there, if I could just pick up one, whether it be flavor combination, technique, piece of advice, you know, every time I walked into that kitchen, then I'd be so much better for it. And that's probably why I was, I was reasonably successful. Yeah. So what was the, the process? So from you're an electrician, you went on MasterChef, then, so what was the, was the entry into kitchens as an owner operator or was it like did you did you work in kitchens straight after MasterChef? Uh, yeah no it's um it's a pretty epic story to be honest like i um i met th- the three blue ducks on season four of MasterChef. they came in as, as guest chefs um and i was really taken back by just how they handled themselves it was my business partner mark my business partner darren who were both chefs and then one of our old head chefs shaz and, and they came in and it's the first time i'd ever seen someone well the, all three of them you know matt george and gary were like your time starts now and like they just walked to the pantry in such like a cool and casual way and and i was like oh i've never seen and, you know everyone normally sprints in there and goes 100 mile an hour but the whole time they were in the kitchen they just felt so under control they so, felt so confident um in what they were doing and obviously their food was really epic um and so i then when I moved from Newcastle to, to Sydney after the show, just because there was, a, you know, I was traveling down to F3 back then was what it was yeah. called three or four times a week. I moved to Sydney. Um, and then about eight months after my season finished, I was in my room in Coogee and the NBA finals were on a big NBA fan. And, and I'd, be, I'd just started like, I was like, wow, I've watched like nearly all of this week's NBA finals games. And it kind of got to me that all of the gigs had dried up. It's like, man, seven days and I've really, you know, I've been able to do whatever I want. This is strange. <laughs> um, but then I was like, man, is this it? Is this where like you go back and be a sparky again? Yeah. You know, has it has the well dried up? There's going to be another, a, another season soon. There'll be another winner. And so I asked myself like, you know, what do I do now? And um I really, I really enjoyed still teaching people because like, like my old man, I, I coached a lot of basketball as well. I love teaching people about food and I was going to do that through like a YouTube channel or something like that, which I ended up doing. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to teach people how to cook, I need to, I need to learn how to cook. You know, I, was, I knew I was a reasonable home cook, but then there's, there's that and then there's actual cooking. So I literally just knocked on the, on the duck's door um, in Bronte um, and said, have you got any work? And, and I was really lucky that, they were shooting their first cookbook at the time. Um, and Daz was like, yeah, mate, come in. Um, we're shooting our, our book for two weeks. Do you want to do like a week work experience? We'll see how it goes and we'll go from there. And so I did it. And I did work experience for, for, for a week and then that turned into another week. Um, thanks to the, the boys. I think they saw a bit of, bit of cheap labor there. <laughs> um, and then, mate, I took a full-time gig down at Falls Creek. I'd never seen the snow before. And they were like, look, we got a pop-up restaurant down there. We kind of snowboard by day and cook by night. And I was like, that sounds epic. So I went down for four weeks at the snow and that's when I, I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with kitchens. I fell in love with the group. I fell in love with food and, um, and then kind of, you know, 
fast forward on years later, um, they had that, this, uh, and I was still working full time for them. This uh, restaurant in Rosebury came up for, for lease and the boys were pretty keen on doing it. And they said, would you ever jump in and, and take the head chef role and come in as a, as a partner of the business? And I, I just jumped at it, man. I, I, they were probably so wrong in asking me to do that. Like, <laughs> it was a bit like going back in, on MasterChef again. It was like, shit, i got to learn real quick here. So, um, and now fast forward, you know, we've, we're, we've, I'm, a, I'm a part owner in the whole business. We've got, you know, six, six restaurants and we're going hard. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And, uh, you know, and you work around your television commitments. Uh, that, all, that all works out, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, it's still tough. I, I still don't think I've necessarily got the balance right. I think I um, maybe it's just kind of who I am. I probably work too much in the restaurants when I'm not filming um, because, you know, we, we film four days a week and it is pretty pretty demanding, like mm. being on the set for, for four or five days. They're long days. It's a different type of energy that it that it sucks out of you. Um, and then I'll go and you know if we, if they need a hand during the week at doing a night shift, I'll try and go out there. And then I'll go out on my on my day off. So yeah, I do I do have to kind of pull the reins back sometimes and yeah, um, yeah. just focus on the show because it is really important and has like cross pollinates the, the ducks as well. It does. Yeah. The next question is: What's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? Oh, mate, like if you, I don't want to go too far into it, but we get our reviews for all of the restaurants sent to us <laughs> in an email, like Byron reviews, Melbourne reviews, Sydney reviews, you know, Nimbo reviews, Brisbane reviews, and they always come through on a Sunday, Arvo. <laughs> the shit that comes through, man, it, it like, it is, it is insane. And it's just like, as I said, I'm not going to go into detail. I just don't know what people actually want or think or like the, the, the right that they think that they have to to jump on and write some of the stuff but yeah. i'm all for feedback and all for constructive feedback mate some of it's just a it's a bit of a laugh any any public industry so what, what did you um what's your uh best method for recovery after reading a bad review i mean i, I speak to a lot of actors and writers and you know yeah it, it's hard mate, I, to be honest i i they always come through on a Sunday afternoon. So a, a tin, you know, a, a beer after you read a bad review, never, never, never. Hurts. That's good. I'm normally, I'm normally kind of out and about anyway, to be honest. So, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, we try and make the most of. We've just moved down to Melbourne, so we try and make the most of Melbourne. And, um, you know, if one pops up, I just put the phone down and just you just got to separate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> what's What's the most? Sorry. What is the failure you most cherish? Um, it's a really good question. Um, I, there's, there's those sliding doors moments. And, um, I when I started that YouTube channel, I, I worked with a company called Tastemate over in the U S. Um, and I think this was kind of late 2013. Um, and I went to the States probably six times in the, in the later part of the year. And, and I was getting some reasonable jobs. It was, it was, it was going really well. And then I kind of made the, the decision to go, right, if, if, this, if I get one more job, I'm just going to have to go and, and move over there and make it and give it my all. Um, and at this time, I was still working for the Ducks, you know, in, in the Bronte kitchen, but we hadn't opened Rosebury yet, so I wasn't part of the business. 
And it was that kind of sliding door moment that that, that that job never came. Like, and and the ducks kind of in between that job never coming, and asking me to open the like open the Rosebury restaurant. I, I don't know what I where I would be if if that job in the US had come because I was as I said I was really prepared to move over there and give it a, give it a crack. So it's what, really what was funny. the job? What was the job in the US? Sorry to interrupt. So there, Tastemade's like an online platform, um, and they've they've since moved on to TV. But it's mostly like it was mostly brand funded content. So, oh, sure. but it was working with like big brands like Visa, Mastercard, Williams Sonoma, um, and it was it was just like for them to really put time and effort into me. You really had to spend time over there. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and as I said, it's it, it, back then it was a YouTube platform, but I'm talking like millions of views and i haven't yeah. even really into what they're what they're doing now but i know that they've since gone you know they've got a, an app on tv and all that sort of stuff so um yeah it was like it, it was good it was great for to kind of explore the u.s and yeah you know, I love the u.s at the time it was much less complicated back then and um mm. yeah in hindsight I'm, I'm very glad i didn't get that job so would that have been? Um, did they see your YouTube channel? Is that how they kind of got yeah. hold of you? Yeah, yeah that's right. how we. That's how we first kind of kind of met up. And I suppose they were only using me um, for like bigger stuff. Whereas they're like, mm. look, if you're here all the time, we can really give this content stuff a go and and really try and create a lot of stuff together. Um, and not so much just do the big brand jobs, but we can work on a bit of a strategy to continue to to grow that online profile. So, yeah. Interesting, mate. Well, I yeah, I think you made the right decision. Well, the, yeah, I'm happy where I am. The mate. universe made the right decision. Yeah, um, yeah. Which word or phrase do you most overuse? Epic, like flat out, like <laughs> to the point where to the point where um I I went on uh, I can't remember what radio show it was. Um, it was one down in Melbourne. And it was probably this time last year when we were doing a bit of promo stuff for, for the for this season last year. And they hadn't set me up without me knowing to try and ask me the right questions to get me to say epic. Like and see how quick that they could get me to say epic. And it was literally the second question that I belted it out. It was like this big, big kind of deal, like that they'd that they'd succeeded in two questions. So it, it has to has to be epic. So they'd seen you say epic before and then they they kind of uh engineered they it. Onto it. Yeah. Gotcha. And then they they yeah, engineered it, which was actually pretty funny. I thought and like I know I obviously know that I say it too much anyway. So um, <laughs> Yeah, I they they got me in the second sentence, which is pretty bad. It's a good word. It's a good word. If you're going to repeat a word, I think epic's a good word to repeat. Uh, yeah, that could be worse. Could be a lot worse. <laughs> um, do you have a motto? Um, I don't. I don't so much have a motto. I've I've always um I've always believed in like super hard work, man. Like I um, you know, it, and I think it must be that sport thing. You're disciplined from a young age. You know, you're told that you you only get out what you put in and and that was probably for me i realized that from a young age but then also later on in life when i when i wasn't playing at a high standard of basketball anymore because you know from the age of kind of 14 to 18 i, I was going really really well and then you know you find you find alcohol when you're 18 there's parties to go to you suddenly like spent instead of devoting all of your time to what you should you do get sidetracked and 
and mate, my basketball career went went down the gurgle, which I'm sure a lot of, there's a lot of young kids out there that 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 happens as well too. But yeah, I, I think I realised that from from the young age that like if you want if you want something, you've got to work really really bloody hard for it. And I've never been afraid of hard work, and um, I actually really enjoy like still going out to the restaurant, getting in the trenches with the with the boys in the kitchen, and and I think that that you know in the hard times when I need something from them, I've got their respect because I'm not shy to, to do what they do on a daily basis. So I just think, yeah, you, you just get what you get. Um, you get what you put out. So. Do you know that game day feeling you have, uh, you know, the adrenaline that comes with game day, do you get that from food, you know, from the kitchen? Yeah, massively. Like, and, and I think it's, um, it was more when I was working in the kitchen on a, on a, you know, on a, five to six day basis you know when you you, you kind of and it all and it's all kind of leads up to the weekend as well you know you're kind of training from tuesday or wednesday through to friday for, mm. for the big dance which is on friday saturday sunday and you just like you know very rarely is there a perfect service in a kitchen you know yeah, it, yeah. It, you can always do better and you can always cook things better and you can always play things better there's so many things that like just have to add up to that perfect service. So definitely when I was like fully on the tools, you know, I was, I, I was, I felt like, you know, and you were kind of prepping ahead for the, to, for the weekend to come. There's like I said before, there's so many things that like sport actually, you know, merges into what I'm, I, I was doing in the restaurants and, and probably what I'm doing on MasterChef as well. Can I ask, I think that's, because it, it occurs to me that there wouldn't be many of you from MasterChef who have gone into the kitchen. It's almost like, um, I mean, I'm just making this up now. You might have evidence to suggest otherwise, but it's almost like, you know, once you hit that kind of celebrity and you've been looked after and everything, it might seem like a little bit too much hard work to go back into the kitchen. And to, yeah. is it true that you're one of the few who's, who's done it? Man, I think early on, like, you know, and maybe I was lucky that I was season four. So the, the kind of TV food shows they were there but like there wasn't like five of them on an afternoon slot every single day so i think for me um i think early on there definitely was it is a bit of a dying breed so whenever someone comes into the kitchen and they go like what are you like what are you here for and they go i want to be a chef we're just like yes like let's put and and we put the same amount of energy into everyone but like you still like it's called Master Chef, you know. Mm. It's not called Master TV presenter. Like it's not. It's it's literally for us the biggest tick that we can have in terms of us doing our job right is if someone comes in uh, an amateur cook and goes out and really has a crack in the industry because, mate, yes. like for Doc Melissa and myself, we're all industry at heart. You know, we all love mm. the industry. Yeah, we're very lucky to be. We we don't take our job lightly. We're we're really privileged to be able to do what we do. But we also feel like we want to give back to the industry that's given us exactly what we've got now. So, yeah, I think it is a bit of a dying breed, and that's why, like I said, if someone comes in, they're just like, "I want to be a chef." We're like, "You're a legend. Let's do it." Interesting. So I was wondering what the incident was of of people making that transition. Yeah, um, and I suppose like the, like, and I give give an example. There's a bloke called Pete off last season. Um, and he was one of the guys, like he came in and he cooks like this, this like, I still remember it, this steak and red wine sauce. And I think there, there were some potatoes on the dish. It was his first dish. 
It was pretty rubbish. People don't mind me saying that. Um, and we really kind of nurtured, nurtured him in a way that like we saw his style being able to change. And so uh. we were like, hey, go home and read this book. Like this is where you, I feel like, and, and Jock was really good at it because, you know, he had, he's been all over the world cooking. So he was like, go home and read this book. And like, you, you just saw it click for him. Um, and That's he came, Yeah, he came third, second or third last season. But now he works at Key. And that's like the biggest kind of like, you know, it's the biggest yes for us, like that we've yes. done our job. That's yeah. brilliant. There were a few moments of season four of MasterChef where Andy incurred the wrath of the legendary chef and guest judge, Marco Pierre White. So I asked him if the Englishman was as intimidating off camera. Because in a very short while, I will know exactly who you are by the way you hold a knife, by the way you touch food, and by the way you put it on a plate. You can't lie. He's a bit of a softie, to be honest. Like, I, I, to be, I, I hadn't had a heat to do with Marco. He was actually on season four. I owe a lot to Marco, actually, because to not bore you with another season four, four story, um, I was down to the last... To the last, it was final 12. And I was down to the last three in the challenge. And it was a double elimination. And, and Marco walks in. And uh, I remember Marco walking, walking in because he, he was like, I, I hope this not, he doesn't watch this, but I didn't really know who Marco was back then. Like I wasn't the guy who was at home reading cookbooks. And I just cooked for my family and my friends. And whatever came to me, I, I, I kind of had a crack at it. So my chef knowledge obviously wasn't amazing. Marco, I remember, because he walked in and walked, like all the lights come down. He's walking through the middle of the, um, through the kitchen and he's literally twisting a chef's knife on his index finger as he walks down the kitchen. I'm like, oh everyone's God. losing it. And I'm like, who is this bloke? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? And so he definitely has that demeanor. But anyway, cut a long story short. I cooked for Marco with these two other two other uh, girls that were down to the final three in a double limb, and he was like, "I, Andy, I see you with the most potential, and I'm going to put you through and, and save you." And the other other couple of ladies, unfortunately, went home. I, yeah, I just remember him kind of picking up like a piece of meat that you're cooking or chicken. A piece of fish. I'll never yeah, forget right. it. Hello, Andy. Marco, how are you? I'd turn that before it burns. Scorched, not caramelized, because your pan's too hot. Mm -hmm. Good luck. So I think I'm in trouble. Don't know, Chris, but anyway. That's um, but he, yeah, it was, it was really amazing because he's come back on to, to this season of MasterChef and it was just nice to hang out with him. And I think the older he gets, he, he, is, he is a big softie. He, um, he's a very lovely bloke, very knowledgeable bloke, um, very generous with his time. Um, and and the, the, just hearing him speak about food is is probably enough to get more inspiration than, than anyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to Out of the Question. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. Until next time, thanks for joining us.